I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. I'm delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair by John McCarthy. Originally from Tremor County Waterford, John has been a surfer pretty much all his life, as well as being an Irish champion and a bronze medal winner in the European Championships. John has competed and travelled all over the world, as he says, in search of the perfect wave. Originally an engineer, John spent five years living abroad, working mainly in Japan, until he started La Hinch Surf School more than 20 years ago. In 2007, John was one of a number of surfers who pioneered the Aliens Wave under the Cliffs of Moore. Since then, John has continued to evolve, today being a business owner, pastor, leader, evangelist and big wave surfer. His YouTube channel is called Cliffs of Hope. John, welcome to the doctor's chair. Mark, it's great to be here with you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'd like to start with surfing. You know, I, I just can't stop thinking, John, of that wonderful video image of you surfing the Aileen near the cliffs of Moore. I mean, it just seemed just extraordinary. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's such an iconic place, the cliffs of Moher. You know, you've got 700 foot sea cliffs, the largest sea cliffs in Europe. And somehow down at the bottom of the wave, there's, you know, I did surf all over the world. I surfed in Indonesia, Brazil, Hawaii. And, but the most perfect wave I ever saw anywhere in the world is basically there in this iconic, you know, Ireland's number one landscape tour spot. I mean, I'm reminded of, you know, T.S. Eliot, that beautiful poem, The Gidding. And he said, you know, we must never cease from exploration. And at the end of all our, our exploring will be to arrive back where we started and know the place at the very first time. Isn't it ironic? You searched the world for the perfect wave and you found it on your own doorstep. It really was, you know, myself and my friend Dave Blount, we, we went to Hawaii numerous times and we kind of learned how to surf big waves over there. And we did come back with this dream of there must be a, a big wave in Ireland that we can surf. And yeah, a friend told us about the wave and we eventually saw it. We bought a jet ski and eventually we went out there together. So it was a, a remarkable privilege to be part of that first day and to be part of still happening today. Could you describe the experience? I mean, what what was it like? What did it feel like? Yeah, one of the guys described it very well. It's kind of like entering a different portal, um, like just the drama of the sea cliffs. Uh, you're not exactly surfing up against the cliff. You know, you're not crashing into the cliff, but you're the, down there. So the wave is phenomenal. The cliffs, the location is phenomenal. So it's it's um it's such a unique as, as I said, I traveled around the world. 
the the cliffs in Hawaii, you know, the lava, the volcanic island, you know, it's dramatic looking and it's beautiful. Um, but the cliffs of Moore is just a vertical drop into into the sea. And so it's just a dream. I just thank God there's no sharks down there, Mark. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> And you still surf. You've got your Lahinch surfing school. What was the, the transition from simply being a surfer to teaching like for you? I had a, I had a dream. I remember living in Japan. I was working as an engineer and I saw Jack Johnson, the famous musician. He, he made a, a surfing video, a famous surfing video. It was between thicker, it was called Thicker Than Water. So I watched that in Japan, made me homesick. And the dream was to live on the West Coast of Ireland. So for myself, I just said, OK, well, maybe I'll buy a few surfboards and for a summer, try it out. And it became a business. So it wasn't um, an intentional thing to start a business. But um, within a year or two, it, I had given up the engineering. And. I mean, it wasn't as smooth a passage as that for you, John, because I, I do know from previous conversations that you know, you've had some setbacks in life and you've had some challenging times. Could you talk to us about that? Yeah, in the, you know, in the surf school, the it expanded rapidly. Um, at one stage, we had about 25 surf instructors. But then uh, those surf instructors, they started to, you know, have surf schools. So there's now five surf schools in La Hinch. So when the when the economy burst, um, we had to, I was newly married, we had to... Um, in 2010, we had to let go of our manager and it was just reinvent the business. So, um, so there's been, there's always been challenges, but it's, um, thank God it's, it's provided for us and, and it's still going well today. And, you know, thank God we were in a, a Vodafone ad this year. So things like that, you know, we were in the AIB ad before things like that do help promote your business and it just, it helps you to be in people's minds. So. And it's clearly something you really enjoy and love and get great fulfillment from. It is. It's a beaut- it, it It's a match for my personality. Um, you know, my passion is from the age of ten has been surfing, uh, the sea, and um, for myself in summertime, I'm down there. I'm on the beach. I'm meeting the customers. I'm being me, and I get to share that with others. So it is a, a beautiful thing, and it's it's great to work. Uh, like we have a small beach hut on the promenade. So it's it, we really are working on the street and people. Yeah, you know, it's a place where people meet. And so it's a beautiful place to work. I was doing a bit of research, John, about the Aileen's. And it's interesting how they are rooted in Irish mythology. They talk about Isle Nassara, meaning Leap of the Folds. And apparently when Christianity came to Ireland, the two a day Donan that ruled Ireland at the time protested by turning into horses the hidden caves then emerged as foals and perished um, in the aliens at the, at the cliffs. And I think that's a nice segue into spirituality, because I believe this is a very important topic and close to your heart. John, could you talk to us about how that came into being for you? Yeah, um, well, firstly, the the name of the headland there is Isle Nasharak. And as you said, it's tied in with the, the mythology and, you know, St. Patrick is involved in that. So it was interesting um, when it came to naming the wave. Um, I had a preference. Um, one of the surfers who we were with who had named it another wave. 
he'd call them some kind of psychedelic or crazy names. But I was like, no, let's call it aliens after the headland. Mm. But it was only afterwards that I found out there was a link to Christianity and St. Patrick. So so it is beautiful, you know, where I'm at now uh, that it, it turned out that way. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, for myself, I guess uh, I was going back to the age of 30, 18 years ago. I was in Byron Bay in Australia. I was backpacking. I had made some money during the summer traveling around the world on my own. And, you know, you backpack, you search, you're, I was eating in the Hare Krishna restaurants. I was doing yoga, started reading a book on world religions. Uh, didn't know it at the time, but there was a search inside going on and I, I searched for questions. Uh, I was lonely, you know, traveling around the world on my own. You try and make superficial relationships along the way. Um, but deep down inside, there was a spiritual loneliness going on. There was like, you know, just the questions of like, where am I going in the future? How do I deal with my past? And, you know, what's, is God real in my present? So I read a book on world religions, was interested in all of them, um, but got to the person of Jesus. And I became very interested in the person of Jesus. So that's how it all started from there. Uh, you know, all over Australia, there's Christian bookshops everywhere. I, I'm Catholic Irish, so I'd never been into a Christian bookshop. So but I went to a convent in Sydney, bought a Bible and went to Indonesia and started reading Matthew's gospel in Indonesia for a month and, and kind of came back to Ireland and kind of said to my summary friends, you know, drinking and surfing friends, I said like, ah, oh, uh, I think I'm a Christian now. You know, I kind of told them, you know, and so that was the start of a journey. But that wasn't where it, where it finished, but that was the start of it. Just to, to ramble on a little bit. Uh, I eventually met a man from an organization called Christian Surfer. So he was the first guy I met who kind of said, praise the Lord and hallelujah. And he invited me to an event. I went along. I wasn't I was interested. I liked the music, but you could see that these guys were were really into it. They some of them had long hair, electric guitars and Bibles, and they had their hands in the air. And so I was just like, you know, I don't need that. But something um something monumental happened in my life where I came to a stage where uh, yeah, I needed help on a deeper level. And so I went back to that conference a year later and I was then ready to listen to the message. Can you share what that was? Uh, I won't go into what, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. And um, yeah, it was a physical issue um, that was related to living, um, you know, living, a crazy lifestyle you know what i mean so uh, that's as far as i'll say sure so um whereas i guess previously life had been rosy everything had been grand you know mm. what i mean sure um you know jesus said that he said the well the, those who are well have no need of a physician and so i was well I, I things were good but i went back a year later and yeah things were not going well for me um kind of a cloud had moved over mm. my life. And mm. uh, yeah, it changed me to the stage where I was ready to listen to on a deeper level then. Yeah. And I suppose the transformation from then to now for you has been, has been remarkable based on what I'm seeing in front of my eyes. You know, you're right here just across the room from me. Uh, you're obviously in a very, very good place now. So what do you put that transition and transformation down to? Totally. Um, like the, you know, it's interesting. I guess I had tried, I read about Jesus. I had tried religion. Like I went back to church and, you know, tried to be good. I thought that's what the message was about. But um, 
you know, Jesus speaks about a new life where, where, you know, my, my Catholic granny used to say to me, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, John. And I used to say, great, that sounds lovely. But I came, when I, when I gave my life to Jesus that on that day, I acknowledged him as my Lord and the savior of my life, savior of my sins. But I did get, I got a whole new beginning. I got, you, you know, the term is born again, but I got utterly born again. And from that day, I had peace and purpose. I understood what, what the big picture of life, but, um, it was like a, the wiping of a slate. Uh, you could call it a paradigm shift. It was a whole new beginning for me that there was just so much hope and life ahead for me. And, but the big change was that God changed me from the inside. Mm. Religion so often times is about washing your hands on the outside, mm. but deep down God had changed me and there was my desires. You know, some of the things, the vices that I had, you know, picked up the habits of crazy behaviors throughout my twenties and teenage years, but God just rewired that and I just didn't desire those things anymore. And, and basically it's, um, it was a, a God focused new nature that God gave me, which was great because I, I didn't particularly like myself, Mark. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, there's parts of yourself, mm. the stuff you'd done mm. and it certainly wasn't secure in who I was, mm. but God gave me a new nature as his son. And, uh, I, yeah. So 17 years on, I'm still going and I'm still, I've been unconditionally loved for 17 years and that has great benefits and be, that bears great fruit when you're loved perfectly for 17 years in a row <laughs> i can only imagine i mean it's something i see a lot as a doctor you know people that struggle with who they are with a sense of self-love self-worth and as opposed to sort of self-care and self-compassion many people you know beat themselves up with self-neglect and, and self-sabotage and I've also met a lot of patients who've got into recovery, whether from addiction or whatever it may be, and they have found spirituality in in many guises, but they have found that that deeper meaning, that deeper sense of connection to their what they would call their higher power. And I believe it's a very important part of our health and well-being, that sense of um, spiritual health to to feel that that deeper connection yeah like we are um we you know whatever words you use but it's the the spirit the soul the body you know like we are a lesser trinity let's call us um or body soul and spirit or um but yes like you can try fix um one of those aspects but um you know you know, God offers us um, wholeness in, you know, that we are spiritually broken. I could say, you know, mm. I can say that that's a claim of Christianity, that there is a brokenness, that we're flawed, that we're, you know, mm. that humanity is broken. You look at history and it's mm. like it tells you, you look at human nature when you bring up kids. <laughs> you know, we don't actually have to teach our kids to lie by nature. It's like they, they're pretty good at it, you know. And uh, and they can be pretty cute when they when they lie to us, right? And that's fine when you're a kid, but you know, so there is a brokenness in humanity, and um, so yeah, I, I really do believe that it is um the spiritual healing that is at the core of the issue. Um, you know, a, a good doctor, to use the illustration of a doctor, you know, diagnoses the issue well. 
you know, if you decide to just put a Band-Aid on mm. a, a wound that's septic or, or whatever, it's not going to work. Mm. And so the heart of the issue is to diagnose what is the issue, what is the brokenness on humanity. And I, I do think Christianity describes it very well that like, yeah, humanity is is broken. Um, we're separated from our, our creator who loves us. And uh, there is need of redemption and restoration. You know, we need to be, yeah, we need to be eternally healed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I really think healing is a great word, um, you know, because it really conjures up that sense of inner peace and that sense of connectedness between mind, body, spirit. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people in the world today that are really searching for healing. And I suppose you're right, John, we are all broken in our own ways. We're certainly all flawed. And despite our brokenness, as it were, and despite being flawed and our imperfections, um, we can be beautiful in our imperfections too and celebrate what's going well and celebrate each other and support each other because everybody has their struggles and everybody has their challenges in life. And despite it, despite those or perhaps because of those people can people can grow as well you know this this concept of you know post traumatic growth and and finding a new sense of purpose and a new sense of meaning yeah yeah and you know i do think that um yeah god's at work in in every in in many steps of the way you know what i mean that um you know for myself my journey was um you know, a progression, like I started to read book on world religion, started to read the Bible. And, um, but God is, yeah, God is, is doing an, an active outreach all through our, throughout our lives. You know, he's, he's trying to get our attention. Yeah. I feel you must be a very courageous person, John. That's just a real time reflection I'm having. I'm imagining you at the top of those gigantic waves. I mean, that's courage. Um, but also the, the new path you've gone on in your life, it's, it's, it's the road less traveled, I would say. And, and yet you are such a, an advocate and such a, I suppose, a living, breathing example of, of your own values. Yeah. It's, um, you know, faith ultimately is, you know, proper faith is about relationship. And relationships are about trust. You know what I mean? Mm. Like if you have a deep relationship, it, it means you trust each other. And um, and so faith and trust are the opposite of fear. You know, mm. fear is um, fear is the absence of faith. So the, so those two are mutually exclusive. One goes up when faith is high. When my faith is high, my I have very few fears. You know what I mean? Because mm. I'm just trusting mm. God's got this. You know, now I'm safe. But when my fears um, are at a high, it, it's a reflection that my faith is very low, you know. So. Um, so, yeah, that's like for myself, I, I'm still I'm 48 and I feel like God's telling me to be courageous, not to be cautious. I'm naturally cautious, quite cautious, you know, yes. when it comes to big waves. So in the past couple of months, past couple of years, I've been pursuing the big waves. And, I, you know, I've done videos on YouTube about that where I'm at the top of the wave. And there's three or four seconds to decide whether you're going to go down the wave or not. And and for myself, the key there's physic by myself, I can only go so far. 
in in big ways like i'll get to a certain stage and i'm like no this is way too much for me but what i've what i'm experiencing in the past five years is that you know what i'm doing on youtube and cliffs of hope the objective is to glorify god that so it's his thing and i mm. feel like i'm being led to do it and to get his message out there so i'm at the top of the wave and i'm i'm actively having a relational conversation and i'm like please you know god help me like i feel like you want me to go and and i do i press the go button because uh i trust i i mm. i you know and, and it's happened time and time again it actually got one of the best ways of my life two weeks ago uh it was quite a crazy one so but it is it does come down to overcoming fear mm. and and i do that by by just relationship trusting god yeah that's the key yeah talking to him if you're looking back to your 21 year old self john today and you, you can never put, you know, a sort of an old head on young shoulders, clearly. But what advice would you give to that younger, more innocent version of you? Yeah, that's that's a super difficult question. And, um, you know, obviously, I've, um, you know, what is this? I have a psalm here in front of me, Psalm 27. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Um, I will not be afraid, you know. And so. So for myself, obviously, my 21-year-old self, very insecure, mm. not knowing who I was. So, you know, all the benefits that I now sit in and rest in, um, in a relationship with God, I would certainly want to, um, that 21-year-old self to, or a 21-year-old today, to know about all those benefits that, that there is an identity bigger than and greater than just self-awareness and and just trying to find the answer within that it is outside that it is in god you find the answers yeah great and and looking forward if you were to look forward five years from now john what do you hope might be different about you then if anything oh i i, I hope a lot will change in the next five years you know what John the Baptist said a great line and uh John was a bit of a, a legend who was just a forerunner to Jesus the Messiah and and John said this line I must decrease and he must increase. So what I would be hoping for um you know our personalities kind of stay the same but um I would hope to decrease less of me less of self if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, that's the ego the pride and more of more of God and and you know, the Bible tells us the fruit of the Holy Spirit is all the good things, love, joy, peace, patience, mm -hmm. gentleness, kindness, self-control. So um, so that's that's the aim is to have more of him in me. The personality doesn't change, but that character, the essence of God in us, that's that's our hope. <laughs> Fantastic. What does health mean to you, John? And what are your own staying healthy practices? I'm looking at you. You're obviously as fit as a fiddle. Yeah, like I've I've had a couple of medical issues over the past few years. Um, I got my heart restarted, cardioversion this year and last year because I have AFib, um, which means there's no rhythm in my heart. It's just chaos. You know what I mean? So thankfully, the the restarts have worked. Uh, I've had a couple of ear surgeries as well. So I've had some health issues um, as I get older and um but but health is so yeah there, as I said earlier there's the there's the body there's the spirit and the, the soul the soul is maybe the mind and the emotions so that package um, 
um, it is definitely as a unit. Um, physically, uh, on a physical level, I do train for the big wave. So I have, there's a pro surfer called Matt Bromley. He's got uh, a one-hour workout online. You just pay 15 euros for life, and, and I follow that workout. Hopefully, I do it once a week. But uh, it's an intense uh, press-ups and stretch and all that kind of stuff. So I try to do that. I swim in the swimming pool, uh, prepare for the big waves, and then I surf as well. Um, but I don't have a lot of discipline with the the routine. So hopefully, yeah. But but as a whole health, I have to say the focus has got to be the eternal, um, that that we are healthy and right with God. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing for me. Yeah. And you certainly project that sense of inner peace and and calm, which I think suggests real kind of mental clarity and emotional equanimity yeah and like the you know the mind um i think we we looked at that question resilience of the mind you know and mm-hmm. and uh it's incredible um the apostle paul in the bible he was in jail at the time and he wrote this um about our minds he said uh, whatever is good noble uh virtuous uh of good report or praiseworthy meditate on these things. So, so, so Paul is saying there, like to, to the mind that we're focused on what's good. You know what I mean? Focus on the good stuff. The ultimate good stuff is that God, God loved us and his son died for us. That's the greatest meditation. I believe you can have. Uh, secondly, it, I think it ties in with cognitive behavior. You know, Paul also wrote, he said, take every thought captive. So our thoughts, our thought life, it's like, you know, the Bible says, take it, take every thought captive. You know, Jesus said, like, to have anger or hatred in your heart is the same as the act of murder, because the source is the same. It starts mm-hmm. in the human heart. And so so to, you take your thoughts captive. And then the third one um, on the resilience of the mind is, um, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul also said to renew your mind. So. Um, Mark, I do that every morning. That's how I survive. I get up and I open the scriptures and I sit there for whatever length of time. And I I, I cry. I have to do that every day mm. because my mind, I wake up with regrets from yesterday and it's like, oh, I could have done this different. And, but I, I present myself before God. I open the Bible and my, I go about my day then before the kids get up. And my mind is renewed. I'm ready for the day and I'm filled with, with hope and good news. So I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. So what you've just shared there, John, is your three take homes for a resilient mind are, are firstly, focus on the good. Secondly, clear out negative thoughts where possible. And then thirdly, constantly commit to renewing yourself. Every day is a new day. And, and for you through, through reading and particularly through reading the scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it is um, it is like in, in the Bible, the Old Testament, that picture of the manna, you had to go out every day, Moses and the gang, they had to go out every day and get the manna daily. And so that's how it is with God, that God says he, he wants us to come to him daily for, for to be filled. Well, as they say, we, we, we rise or fall to the level of our habits and, and excellence is a habit. And, you know, I think the mind is its own place and can make a hell of heaven or a heaven of hell. And I think that was John Milton. And it really is up to the the habits we cultivate and sow each and every day. 
can really make make such a impactful difference Absolutely. to our lived experience. I see you wrote once, John, that um, in terms of hope, that as you get older, your hope grows, that it should not fail, that you have a very bright future ahead and great hope of this life being significant and meaningful. Could you expand on that for me a little bit? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, as I said earlier that, you know, back in 2006, I came into a new beginning, a new a new birth and, you know, in God, in, in God's spirit. And so that was that's the start of an eternal journey. You know, um, when I physically fail in this life, the stats on death are pretty high. They're 100 mm-hmm. percent. But when I, when that does happen, that's just a blip on my eternal journey. I, you know, um, there's a guarantee of um, as that beautiful Psalm 23 says that the Lord, he prepares a table before me. My cup overflows and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, so, so that's, that's eternal, hope eternal. Mm. And, um, and again, it's not, it's not a hope. So that a lot of hope is based on like, well, a hope, mm-hmm. a hope, a hope this goes well. And, mm-hmm. and obviously that's how we think that's, mm-hmm. that's a human hope, but there is an eternal hope where like Mark, I'm, I'm going to where the streets are gold i'm going to heaven not because i was good but jesus was good for me he paid mm-hmm. my debt he he wrote off my spiritual mortgage so um mm-hmm. i'm going there so i'm looking forward to that i know it'll be way better than this life you know but but there's there's work to be done here and and kids to be looked after and everything else so so my hope the closer i get to that the greater my hope increases and so that's that's a remarkable thing because we can put hope in our hope in many things. I can put my hope in my body and my physical training, but one day that's going to fail. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know, not to be too pessimistic, but, but look, as I said, the stats on death are a hundred percent. So, so there is a, a hope eternal. And so my hope, it, I, if I continue uh, just going with the Lord, it, do, it is a hope that increases and it is a hope that will endure for all eternity. And so, so that's, and I, I believe that's only available in a framework where God is, is, is at the center, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think hope is such, such a powerful emotion to believe that the thing, the things can get better and to have something that gives you that inner purpose and meaning to, to drive that hope forward. You strike me, John. As being a very grateful person, I mean, what does gratitude mean to you, and how do you bring that into your life? Yeah, I am. I am a very grateful person, and uh, I do probably start my day with um, just thanking the Lord for for what He's done. Um, and you know, He's been very the word grace. Apparently, my name I found out John means God is gracious, and grace is you know the song Amazing Grace. Uh, grace is amazing because it's based on the unmerited or the undeserved favor of God. It's not favor or merit that I deserved or earned. It's, it's, is as a gift. And, you know, for myself, that's because, uh, Jesus paid for, for my debt. That's how I got, uh, the, the, the favor of God. But, um, you know, the, I think it's been said and I think it's important when we think of gratitude, Mm. Um, you know, 
you can be ritualistic or do things out of ritual and like mantras and stuff like that. But one of the essence of gratitude has got to be if it's relational, you're actually thanking a person or mm. from a, if I'm actually thanking God. So there is a subject to the to my gratitude, if you know what I mean. Mm. And I think that's a huge part of gratitude that if it's just gratitude for the sake of gratitude, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, does it, I would. Yeah, I would question, does it run dry? But for for myself, gratitude is an outworking of a relationship that I'm having. Mm. And I do daily go back and I, I like, as I said, my name has been God is gracious. I can continuously thank God because I'm, I'm not perfect. I mess up every day, mm. but I, but I'm still loved because, because God's love boasts about how great he is rather than how great I am. Mm. And that's the essence of grace. So I, I'm a very grateful person. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's really good, John. And, you know, I think gratitude is such a, powerful not just a powerful positive emotion but a great habit to genuinely express heartfelt gratitude for all the many gifts we have in our lives i mean sometimes i will think you know about all the different things i have to feel grateful for but which are so many but even to say to somebody think of a hundred things you're grateful for right now just in terms of your health because the workings of the human body you know all our cells and all our different organs it's 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 miraculous how everything works so well as it does most of the time uh, so i really think gr- gratitude is a wonderful way thing to express and it's a wonderful way to as you say to appreciate others in the context of of relationship as well i think in a world right now there there are so many people really crying out for a, a little bit of appreciation and a little reflection I just wanted to ask you, John, was I was just listening to you talking there a few minutes ago and a lot of the traditional messages in religion, you know, certainly people would say they can be rooted in, in negativity, in, in fear, guilt, um, repression, uh, you know, whereas you're very much talking about the the hope the love, the positivity, um, the clean slate, as you said, the spiritual mortgage being paid off. I heard that. I'd never heard that phrase before. You know, is, is that your experience? And what would you say to people that are listening right now who are looking to bring more of that heartfelt positivity into their own lives? And where might they start on that journey? Yeah, it, look, the message does get mixed up, right? Um and, you know, the natural can be trying to to motivate people out of guilt. Um, you know, like fear, there is good aspects to fear to have a, to have a respect for for our creator, for God. That, that's a good thing. Um, but but motivating people out of guilt is a is a disaster. Right. Mm. And what the Bible says is that it's the goodness of God that leads us back to him. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like when we, when his love and kindness appeared to us, we respond to it. So, so, um, and God initiates that love for us. Um, and that, and that's how it works that we respond to it. So, um, so absolutely. But the message does get, get skewed. And, you know, obviously with, with every message, especially even God's message, when you put it into human hands, 
humans can put it in their briefcase and run with it and say, this is our message now. You need to come to us. You need to be in our club. And it's like, but no, no, you know, God, Jesus said, like, he's the way. It's not the priest or the preacher. It's like the Lord is the way. And so, um, so the message does get skewed, unfortunately. And, um, but, but look, God has given us, um, uh, the, the good book, the scriptures to, for us to read it, you know, and there's four biographies there on the life of Jesus. Um, and I, I think, yeah, when you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at his unique claims of who he said he was, um, yeah, there's, there was nobody else like him. You know what I mean? The other religious figures, when you, when you put them beside, you know, Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who curse you, bless those who spitefully use you. So, you know, he didn't just talk about love. He lived it. Mm. And so so we we Ireland probably needs to relook at who Jesus was. Yeah, I do think mm. that. Yeah. Well, I suppose for all of his actions speak louder than words. And it's interesting, isn't it, John, how, you know, different religions around the world, how there can be so much conflict between them. And they can be the source of so much disharmony whereas the the core virtues of of pretty much all of the religious beliefs are the same They're, they include you know wisdom courage justice love humanity transcendence um that really people have so much more in common than they realize uh there was a indian uh guy he g- gave this great uh illustration um, of this, this guy in India, he'd never been to a cinema before. He, you know, yeah. he was from the countryside <laughs> in India and he comes into this big cinema in a city, let's say, and he looks up and you know, the, the old style cinema, I don't know if it's the same today, but where the image was being projected from, the light is, is hurtling through the, the, the so he didn't look at the screen. He looked at, at the opposite side of the cinema and he saw all this light flying through, <laughs> you know, and he just yeah. thought, wow, this is amazing. He saw all these rays of, and, but you know what? He turned around then to the cinema screen and he saw a face. It was actually the the movie was being projected onto the screen and he saw his face. And I, I think that illustration, the point is that we can look at all the religions of the world. You can see virtue, you can see patience, you can mm. see, um, you know, respect for your family. You can see love for one another, all these virtues. But ultimately, the Christian message is it's actually mm. about a person. And that person was the son of God, the sinless, perfect son of God who, who laid down his life so that we could have life. And so that is the claim of Christianity. And, yes. and you know, Jesus was killed for for that claim, for claiming to be God, the son. So he does make unique claims. He does mm-hmm. for sure. And and now I didn't understand that, Mark, until I came to know him. And until I, I, I as a sinner, I came to him and I said, OK, Lord, I, you know, I'm in. And I surrendered my life to him. And then I, I got that. But I didn't get that before that point, if you know what I mean. That that to me just didn't make any sense. But when I when I met Jesus, it made perfect sense. Yeah. And finally, John, for you, what's the meaning of life? I think the meaning of life is in relationship and that that key relationship with our creator, with the sustainer, with um with the living God and that that famous verse the the whole bible is summed up in that one verse john 3:16 about god's love god so loved the world he gave his one and only son 
and that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So whoever believes in Jesus, that that concept is whoever has relationship, whoever trusts uh, that. So I believe that's the the essence of life, uh, relationship, relationship with, with our creator. And so the the essence, the meaning of life is to to glorify God and to know him and to enjoy him. John, it's been wonderful having you on the doctor's chair. Keep leading, keep inspiring, keep facing your fears with courage and living out your values. John, thank you so much. Mark, thanks so much for, for having me. And it's been a privilege. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com. Oh,